Welcome to the Truth Hurts Program. Opinions expressed here are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. We apologize if you are offended, but we retract nothing. I'm Steve Z. Let's get started. Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. I would play my Friday theme song, but it just doesn't seem like the kind of Friday where you want to hear happy tunes. So I'm going to say it is the January 8th, 2021 edition of the Truth Hurts program with me, your magnanimous host, Steve Z. Rats tend to jump off of a sinking ship. Washington, D.C., as we all know, is full of rats. We all know this to be true. We've seen it for decades. They dress up in suits and ties. They attire themselves in pantsuits and colorful scarves around their wrinkled necks. They look into the camera lenses and lie to your faces every day. The rats? Well, it's a combination of media pukes and politicians. The real rats are in the halls of Congress in D.C. The list of rats in Washington, D.C. who are suddenly deciding to jump off the Trump ship is growing, even though the Trump ship is only 11 days away from docking for its final time. Several key positions are appointed by presidents in these United States of America. Many a resume has been bolstered by having served as secretary of this or that, or director of national this or that by presidents throughout history. Now, with only 11 days left in the Trump presidency, many of these people who were blessed with cabinet-level positions, honored with director-level positions, you know, positions of high office in our massive government complex, many of these rats are now simply resigning, walking away, abandoning their ship, and they're turning around and flipping the bird at their captain. Now, many of these people know they'll land face up like a cat in cushy lobbying firms pandering to the government as civilian, well-connected executives, thanks to their connections with the Trump White House. Some will prove to be the actual Benedict Arnolds they truly are. They'll start begging for jobs in the gropey Joe Cameltoe administration. Some of these rats will go on to write books, do interviews, and they'll start crying and whining and telling the world just how horrible it was to work with the orange man just to make a buck. Self-preservation of the rats is why they jump from a sinking ship in the hopes that they, the rats, will swim ashore. And with this ship so close to docking, those rats will not have far to swim. Now they'll say they were only trying to right the ship but Captain Orange Man stood in their way at every turn. These turncoats, these traitors, these fair-weather employees. And as for each, as they resign, the leftist media will chase them around and praise those who bailed out. They will call them brave. They will call them patriotic. At least today they will. And then for as long as those quitters will speak out against the Orange Man, for as long as the media can use and abuse them, those quitters will be of value to the media and to the left. After that, poof, 
never to be heard from again. Imagine a professional sports team, let's say football. For the first three quarters of the game, the home team is winning. They're winning big. They're blowing out the other team. They're putting up more points than the other team has ever thought of doing. At halftime, the home team and their coach is accomplishing things that no other team has done in recent history. At halftime, the opposing team, their coach, their players, who don't like the home team or their orange coach, they all get together with the referees and the stadium crew and the league, and they start to plan shady things, like blowing calls, like looking the other way for flagrant offenses by the opposing team, like claiming pass interference where there clearly was none, like looking the other way when the opposing team commits illegal hits. And even with all of those things failing, the home team is still winning. It's the third quarter. So the league comes up with a last-minute fourth-quarter rule saying that any player who was in a bar or a church the week before must be benched because there's some new virus going around. They bench the entire first string of the home team's players. And they tell the crowds that they, the crowds, need to go home. Right around 1 in the morning, they'll resume the game tomorrow after they have the opportunity to do some nefarious things in the stadium. They tell the home team they have to go home for their own safety and lock themselves in the houses. Then the fourth quarter starts. All the fans are gone, an empty stadium. The league turns out the lights on the field and they suddenly change the rules and start replacing the opposing team with fresh players. And they cheat to win the game. Sometimes they put 13, 14 people on the field. The refs look the other way. The media, they won't even shine a camera at an angle to which you can count all of the illegal players on the field. And then, blowing call after call after call, and still having so many people supporting the home team, the referees now want to call the game with a minute, eight seconds left to go. No one in the stands and they want to have the coach fired and removed. It is what it is, people. There's not a damn thing you or I can do now to change the game. Valid or fraudulent, it is over. And I mean over in more than just the election results. Instead of simply letting President Trump finish out his term over the next 11 days, some of the radical idiots, the traitors, the rats in D.C. are now calling for him to be impeached or removed by using the 25th Amendment to drag him out of the White House. And clowns like Chuckles Schumer are leading the charge. Drunken elitist morons like Nasty Nancy Pelosi are leading the charge. According to Bloomberg, House Speaker Nasty Nancy Pelosi and Democrat leader Chuckles Schumer are demanding that President Trump's cabinet immediately remove him from office and they threatened a new drive to impeach him if the cabinet members and Mike Pence, the vice president, don't act to forcibly remove Trump from the presidency. Let me stop for just a moment. First of all, Nasty Nancy and Chuckles have no authority to demand anything from the cabinet. They have no authority, no power there whatsoever. Separation of powers, you know. And like the whiny, crybaby, snowflakey little bitches they are, 
if they don't get their way in their demand, we're going to take our ball and go home. Except they're not. They're going to try and impeach the president yet once again. I guess they don't remember licking their wounds from the last attempt to impeach Donald Trump. The top two Democrats in Congress on Thursday accused Donald Trump of inciting a mob that stormed the Capitol and called him a continuing threat to democracy in his waning days in the White House, this report continues. I'll stop once again. I have yet to see any evidence that Donald Trump incited the mob that stormed the Capitol. Not a single network television news show. Not a single newspaper. Not a single website has any audio or video evidence of Donald Trump inciting anything. Nowhere will you see Donald Trump saying, I'm going to hang on to my power and I urge you people to go down there and storm the Capitol and destroy the place. Or anything close to that. Back to the Bloomberg article. Pelosi said in Washington, Trump is a very dangerous person who should not continue in office. This is urgent. An emergency of the highest magnitude. In a separate news conference in New York, Chuckle Schumer echoed Pelosi's dire warnings. He said, I'm, The best thing to do is to get rid of him. I don't trust him one bit. Who cares, Chuckles? Who cares what you think? The extraordinary broadside against Donald Trump came as the president is under siege from a few turncoat Republicans, as well as some Democrats, and even from inside his own administration, as several top officials have announced resignations, a la rats from a sinking ship. Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao, who's married to uh, Mitch McConnell, has decided to resign. So has Betsy DeVos, the Education Secretary. Elaine Chow said in her resignation announcement that the storming of the Capitol by Trump supporters deeply troubled her in a way that she cannot simply set aside. Well, then you weren't fit to run an agency. You were not fit for the job you were appointed to. Good riddance. Bye-bye. So what did Wall Street have to say about the storming of the Capitol on Wednesday? Investors largely shrugged off the violence in Washington, D.C., the turmoil in the government. Nearly 70% of the companies in the S&P 500 actually rose in trading on Thursday on the prospect for more stimulus checks, which will further, of course, devalue the dollar of the United States. I don't understand it. Pelosi says she will want to hear as soon as Friday from Mike Pence as to whether he will act on calls to use the 25th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution to forcefully remove Trump from office in the final two weeks of his term. Chuckles the Clown Schumer said that he and Pill Boozy attempted to reach Pence by phone Thursday but were left waiting for 25 minutes. Oh, you had to wait because the vice president is more busy than the fool with your two clowny asses. Numerous Democrats in Congress have been calling for Trump to be impeached. 
but I don't think there's time enough to do so before he leaves office on the 20th of January. Now, their reason, of course, is because if he's impeached successfully, he will not be able to legally run again for president in 2024. They're trying to forever ban Donald Trump from representing the 175-plus million supporters that Trump has garnered over the last four years. And we all know you need more than just a 51 to 49 majority to impeach a president. The question is whether there is significantly more Republican support than earlier this year after the Senate unsuccessfully voted on impeachment brought on by Democrat-led House. Chuckle Schumer said the House and Senate should be brought back immediately for impeachment proceedings, but Pelosi said there are no immediate plans to call the members back into session. She said, If he wants to be unique and be doubly impeached, that's up to him and his cabinet if he wants to stay in office. Chuckle Schumer set to become the majority leader, which still makes no sense to me, because it will be a 50-50 tie if you include two independents. Republicans will still have 50. Democrats will have 48. The last time I checked in math, 50 is a majority over 48. Even if the two independents caucus as Democrats, they are not registered Democrats. And that should mean Chuckles Schumer should not be the majority leader. Schumer said in a statement on Thursday that Pence should take over the Oval Office until Biden is inaugurated on January 20th. Because you see, whether they impeach Trump or whether they invoke the 25th, doing either of those things will prevent Donald Trump from running for office again in 2024. Several Democrats have urged the impeachment to begin, and one turncoat Republican in name only, a traitor, a Benedict Arnold, Representative Adam Kinzinger of Illinois, pandering to his AA 13% minority hyphenated Blafrican American base, is also backing throwing out the president by use of the 25th Amendment. Kinzinger said, Not only has the president abdicated his duty to protect the American people and the people's house, he invoked and inflamed passions that only give fuel to the insurrection that we saw here. The president is unfit. The president is unwell. The president must now relinquish control of the executive branch voluntarily or involuntarily. Hey, Mr. Kinzinger, please put your money where your mouth is. Please show me one shred of video or audio evidence that the president incited directly this violence that occurred on Wednesday. Show me one piece of video, one minute of audio that shows that the president invoked and inflamed passions that gave fuel to the insurrection. It's not like Maxine Waters, who openly called for violence against Republicans, against Trump supporters, against white people in general. Nothing was done to her. After all, 13% rule, double A rule, wacky clown leftist rule. For those of you who were sleeping during your 8th grade government and civics class, 
The 25th Amendment provides for the removal of a president if the vice president and a majority of the cabinet determines that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of the office of presidency. The president contests the findings. The vice president and cabinet persist. Congress can then order the president's removal by a two-thirds vote in both the Senate and the House of Representatives. This, of course, will take time, and with only 11 days to go, I don't believe we have time. Unless, of course, nasty Nancy Pelosi and Chuckle Schumer think it's so important that we put off the entirety of government operations, slam it all to a grinding halt, just so they can get their wish of throwing the orange man out of office. They couldn't do it with their phony Russia, 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 Russia investigation. They couldn't do it blaming Trump for having hookers on a bed in a hotel room. They couldn't do it by invoking the Stormy Daniels Clause. They couldn't do it for any Ukrainian dealings or a phone call made to a foreign president by this president. They could not do it by introducing a virus and then claiming the president didn't do enough, while they themselves said, come on down to Chinatown. It's okay. Come on in the streets. You're being a racist, a xenophobe, if you tell people they can't come here from China. All of the attempts of the past four years to get rid of Donald Trump have failed and failed miserably, including the false impeachment last go-round. And now they're stomping their feet like a spoiled child who says, I don't care what the rules are. I want him gone. And they're doing everything they can to try at the last minute to not only throw him out of office, but to forever take away his right to run for public office again. Impeachment and removal from office will require a simple majority in the House, but a two-thirds majority in the Senate. And thus far, only one senator, the turncoat, the traitor, the piece of human garbage, Republican in name only, Mitt Romney, voted for the impeachment back in 2019. Convicting Trump of impeachment now would require many, many more Republicans to vote in favor of it. Romney said on Wednesday, there's probably too little time left before Trump is out of office on January 20th to even begin impeachment proceedings. When asked whether the 25th Amendment should be used, he told reporters, we'll just have to hold our breath. Many of Trump's GOP allies have also recently distanced themselves from the president after Wednesday's violence. Even though they know in their hearts that Trump did not incite the violence. I put in a call to Steve Scalise, the Republican minority House whip yesterday, received a call back from one of his staffers who told me, Mr. Scalise supports the Republican Party and the rule of law, and he has no intention on voting to impeach the president. That was their official statement to me, your host. Judiciary Committee Democrats led by David Cicilline, Ted Liu, and Jamie Raskin said Thursday they're circulating articles of impeachment on Trump, charging him with, quote, willfully inciting violence against the government of the United States, unquote, 
and calling for him to immediately be removed from office and barred from holding any U.S. office again. I told you, folks, this isn't necessarily about not letting the man finish his last 11 days. They want him barred from ever holding U.S. government office again. They know, they know damned well that Trump's supporters will be lined up in droves and that there will be massive calls for government oversight and public oversight of the 2024 election should Trump decide to run again. They know that half of the nation is pissed. Half of the nation is incensed. Half of the nation is riled up. Those three clowns on the Democrat Judiciary Committee wrote the following. President Trump gravely endangered the security of the United States and its institutions of government. He threatened the integrity of the democratic system, interfered with the peaceful transition of power, and imperiled a coordinate branch of government. Pelosi emphasized the need to strip Trump of all authority, given the uncertainty of how he might behave in the next two weeks before Biden is sworn in. Folks, they are desperate. They are desperate to get this man removed from office right now because that's not the goal. The goal is to forever keep him from running for another public office. Trump is supposedly a billionaire. He's got properties all over the world. If I were him, I'd say, screw you, America. I'd shut down immediately all of my businesses. Just shut them down. Board them up. Fire everybody. Just be done. Sell the properties, move on. Enjoy your retirement years. Enjoy your billions. That's what I would do. Billions, 77 years old or whatever. Be out there enjoying life. Enjoying life. We'll be back in a minute. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. The massive double standard in the way that the leftist mainstream media treats people who are shot and killed by police is now glaringly obvious to even the most casual observer. You remember Breonna Taylor, the Blafrican American 13% minority hyphenated double A who was in her apartment with her drug dealing ex-baby daddy where the drug deals and the illegal guns were found? And during a police raid to rid her neighborhood of drug-dealing thug criminal animals, she was shot in the crossfire between the drug-dealing baby daddy and the police? Remember her? Of course you do. Her name was prominently and proudly displayed on football fields, helmets, billboards, and basketball courts nationwide. Say her name! Say her name! Thug criminal shot by police during a shootout with her thug boyfriend. She was treated as a hero, a martyr, a symbol of unity. Why? Well, she belonged to two very important clubs. First, she had a vagina because, you know, she was a female, one of the two genders that exists. And secondly, she was a Democrat 13% double-A hyphenated American minority, you know, Blafrican American. More that than this, though, she was a criminal with a criminal background, engaging in criminal activities in her apartment. 
glorified for months, and even to this day, the thug criminal Brianna Taylor's name is still invoked when mentioning the false narrative of police racism. Here's another name that you probably heard of this week, but will probably never hear of again. Ashley Babbitt. Now, she's a member of one club. She's a member of the Vagina Club. She's one of the two genders, male or female. She's a female. Ashley Babbitt was unarmed when she was gunned down brutally by Capitol Police. No weapon, not even a cell phone in her hand. Shot down like a rabid dog by panicky Capitol Police who were ill-prepared to defend the Capitol building. Ashley Babbitt was unarmed and she was in the Capitol. Her crime, other than, I guess, being in the Capitol without a Capitol pass, her crime was nothing. Nothing at all when you compare her to the looters, the arsonists, the assault and battery perpetrators in Seattle, in Portland, in Kenosha, in Minneapolis, in Louisville, and other cities throughout the country when the bowel movement, I'm sorry, the Black Lives Matter movement decided to physically destroy entire city blocks, police stations, drugstores, small businesses. Ashley Babbitt's crime was nothing compared to those anarchist, riotous thugs. So what is Ashley Babbitt's crime? Oh, she supported Donald Trump and she was in the Capitol building. But most importantly, she supported Donald Trump as her president. And she was viciously murdered by a panicked Capitol Police officer. She was unarmed. Where are the protests? Where's the outrage? Where are the marches, the demonstrations, the parades? Where's Ashley Babbitt's name being glorified and honored? Certainly not on the professional football fields basketball courts, baseball diamonds, the ice in the hockey stadium, or on the soccer fields, certainly not proudly and prominently displayed on the uniforms and helmets of professional athletes, certainly will not be mentioned on the red carpet at any of the upcoming award shows. Ashley Babbitt was viciously murdered while unarmed in the Capitol. She was in the Capitol building. She had no weapon, but she was a Trump supporter. And she was viciously murdered by a police officer. Perhaps it's because she's not a double A. She's not a Democrat. And the media? <laughs> They've already begun their demonizing of Ashley Babbitt. They've already begun to dig into her past, into her social media, into her political leanings. They've begun interviewing everyone who ever knew Ashley Babbitt in order to make her out to be some type of evil person. And because, and only because, she liked the orange man, the media will now destroy her name, tear down her reputation, along with anyone who associates with Ashley Babbitt. No honor, no glory, no memorials, no parades, no marches, no demonstrations. Within a week, no one will know who the hell Ashley Babbitt is. The 35-year-old Ashley Babbitt came to Washington, D.C. to protest what she felt 
was a fraudulent election of gropey Joe Biden and Camel Toe Harris. It's her right. It's her right under the United States Constitution's First Amendment, which protects your right to peaceably assemble, to speak out against your government if you choose to do so, to express your opinion, freedom of speech, freedom of expression. Ashley Babbitt was an honorably discharged United States Air Force veteran who was also a highly decorated security forces controller. She served multiple Middle Eastern tours between 2004 and 2016. She wasn't a three-and-out soldier just looking for a VA benefits and a scholarship. She was a highly decorated military veteran. She owned and operated her own small, successful business. Ashley Babbitt was truly the American dream personified, and she supported her president. Ashley Babbitt was no Breonna Taylor, not even close. She was truly an American dream personified. Breonna Taylor was a welfare queen drug dealer living off food stamps and government cheese, selling drugs on the side with her baby daddy, ex-boyfriend. Ashley Babbitt's brother-in-law, Justin Jackson, said, Ashley was both loyal as well as extremely passionate about what she believed in. She loved this country and felt honored to have served in our armed forces. And he asked that you please keep her family in your thoughts and respect their privacy during this time. Of course, the media doesn't respect anyone's privacy. They continue to dig and dig and dig into Ashley Babbitt's past, hoping, trying to find some connection to vilify her, to demonize her, to make her out to be some sort of traitor. She was not. Washington, D.C. Metro Police Chief Robert Conti confirmed on Wednesday night that the Capitol Police had shot and killed a person who had entered the Capitol building. Though some of the family members expressed confusion about Babbitt's reasoning for getting into the Capitol, the media has found things in her social media posts that might offer insight into her possible motivations. You see... The slimeball leftist media would not report on any of Breonna Taylor's anti-white sentiment, any of her anti-government sentiment. No, no, they just simply allowed people like Zuckerberg to delete those accounts for Breonna Taylor so that none of her thug pictures would be publicized. But the slimeball leftist media will not offer a single word of praise or even sincere condolences for the politically motivated slaying of Ashley Babbitt by a panicked Capitol Police officer. The woman was gunned down. She was unarmed. But you don't see the media clamoring for answers. In fact, the leftist slimeball media dug into every facet of her life. They dug out and ferreted out things that they could sensationalize to make her out to be some kind of radical demon. An NBC News article reads partly, Using the handle of common ash sense, Babbitt's Twitter account was almost singularly focused on radical conservative topics and conspiracy theories. That's their opinion. That's how they wrote it. It continues, Among other fringe beliefs, she tweeted about Pizzagate, a viral disinformation campaign 
that alleged a child abuse ring was being operated by Democrats from a Washington, D.C. pizza restaurant. Then, they have to point out the fact, the evil fact, that Babbitt was a loyal Fox News watcher. So are 175 million other Americans. You're just jealous, NBC, because you don't have the viewership of the Fox News Channel, which is declining quickly. In fact, that very jealous NBC News reporter wrote, Babbitt was a loyal Fox News watcher according to the thousands of tweets to Fox News hosts, but she also engaged on social media with the news internet's site InfoWars. Then they seek to tie her to QAnon, a group that supported Donald Trump throughout the last two years. Ashley Babbitt was a veteran of the United States Air Force, a highly decorated soldier. She had an opinion. Her opinion mirrors that opinion of one half of the United States of America's population. No parade, no memorial, no honor, only vilification, demonization, and destruction of a young woman who happened to be white, and they never mentioned that one time in the article, by the way, who happened to be in the Capitol, unarmed, gunned down by a panicked, ill-prepared policeman in the prime of her life. We'll be right back. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. Democrats change their tune when it's convenient for Democrats to do so. Remember, it was Democrats who called for the defunding of police, for the reduction in armed police forces in cities around the country. Why don't the Democrats do what they've been touting all year long? They don't need more armed security at the Capitol. In keeping with the Democrats' own plots, plans, and procedures and their suggestions, there should have been an army of social workers sent to the Capitol building on Wednesday to speak to those Trump supporters, to speak to those people who were just outraged at their thoughts that the election was stolen. There was no need for armed police officers. That should not happen. Should, we should defund the Capitol Police. We should instead have social workers and counselors sitting on the steps of the Capitol. Right? One of the double-standard Democrat leftist whack jobs, Senator Chris Murphy of Democrat, had this to say, his opinion of how things need to change in order to cover his sorry ass to protect his sorry ass and those of his colleagues. Clearly, we need to make serious changes to the way that our capital is defended, and we need to start implementing those changes now. Um, the primary responsibility for yesterday's insurrection, yesterday's breach of the Capitol, uh, lies with the perpetrators, Donald Trump and his enablers in Congress. The Capitol Police and the Municipal Police were left to battle protesters for over an hour before the breach of the building took place without any assistance from the Department of Defense. One of the things that we've been talking about in the last 12 hours is um, you know, the rules of engagement. Uh, you know, 
uh, listen, I'm, I'm glad that there was only one individual shot uh, yesterday. Um, but if we can't defend the Capitol simply because we don't have uh, enough individuals present to respond to thousands of protesters, then you know, we either need to change the rules of engagement or we need to dramatically increase the physical um, protection and, and personnel presence around uh, the Capitol. Yes, Chris Murphy, a Democrat, just like many of the other Democrats, right? They don't want armed police officers to respond to the riots in Seattle, in Portland, in Minneapolis, in Louisville, in Kenosha. No, sir. They would much rather you send out guidance counselors, people to talk down those protesters. There's no justification for firing tear gas, rubber bullets, real bullets, or for going out in riot gear for a peaceful protest, right? Even when that peaceful protest in Portland destroyed several buildings, burned police cars, bashed windows, destroyed property, assaulted civilians and police personnel. Now, send some guidance counselors. I want to break down Chris Murphy's commentary again for you here. I think you will appreciate my viewpoint. Clearly, we need to make serious changes to the way that our capital is defended, and we need to start implementing those changes now. That is the sound of a panicked Democrat Senator Chris Murphy, who realizes that protests sometimes are not peaceful. And now that his little sorry ass is on the line, he wants something done now, right now. Um, the primary responsibility for yesterday's insurrection, yesterday's breach of the Capitol, uh, lies with the perpetrators, Donald Trump and his enablers in Congress. Lies with the perpetrators, who we still have yet to prove were all Trump supporters. Many, many of the people who were there breaching the Capitol have already been identified as Antifa members. Trump supporters don't run around in black riot helmets, the same exact helmets that were distributed to those Antifa, those NFAC, and those BLM protesters earlier in 2020. How can it lie at the feet of the president? Again, I asked earlier, I'll ask again. Senator Chris Murphy, do you have any video or audio tape or any written statement by Donald Trump calling for violence at the U.S. Capitol or violence anywhere? Remember, it was Donald Trump who called for law and order and peace earlier in the year, and Democrats and the left media kept saying, well, it's the people's right to protest. Now the president's trying to deny the people their First Amendment rights to protest. And then he said, enablers in the Capitol. Now that, Mr. Murphy, might have some merit. Enablers, like those of you who let some of those so-called Trump supporters into the Capitol. Enablers? You're accusing your fellow congressional members on the other side of the aisle of allowing this or promoting for this to happen. Once again, I ask you, put your money where your mouth is, Mr. Murphy. Show me one document, one minute 
of video or audio where any Republican member of Congress enabled this to happen. This was clearly not what they're making you think it is. The Capitol Police and the Municipal Police were left to battle protesters for over an hour before the breach of the building took place without any assistance from the Department of Defense. I guess you need to read up on the laws that you and your body of government have enacted over the years, Representative Senator Chris Murphy. I guess you don't understand what the law of the United States of America is surrounding the usage of military troops on U.S. soil. You guys wrote the law. You guys wrote the bills and got them passed. Now that your sorry ass was endangered, now all of a sudden you want police. You need police. You want military action. You need military action to protect your sorry ass. One of the things that we've been talking about in the last 12 hours is um, you know, the rules of engagement. Yes, in the last 12 hours, now that your sorry ass was on the line, now that your sorry ass has been put in peril, now you want to talk about changing the rules of engagement. Imagine if Donald Trump had talked about changing the rules of engagement in Seattle, in Portland, in Louisville, in Minneapolis, in Kenosha, in St. Louis, or any of the other places where violent riots and protests occurred earlier this year. If the president had said, I, the president, am going to directly send troops there to quell the violence, to stop the destruction of public and private property, to protect the citizens, to protect the police, you, Senator Murphy, you would have said, Trump is trying to overstep his authority. But now, now you want to change the rules of engagement less than 12 hours from a small, small protest in your building. Uh, you know, listen, I'm, I'm glad that there was only one individual shot. No, you're not. You wanted the whole damn crowd of Trump supporters mowed down. You wanted them shot down like dogs in the street. Don't lie. Life would be so much better for you Democrats if we just get rid of all of the true patriots and Republicans and conservatives in this nation. You're sorry that only one person got shot. Your ass hurts, buddy. Uh, yesterday. Um, but if we can't defend the Capitol simply because we don't have uh, enough individuals present to respond to thousands of protesters, then you know, we either need to change the rules of engagement or we need to dramatically increase the physical um, protection and, and personnel presence around uh, the Capitol. Yes, we just need to make damn sure we hire more and more and more and more people and put them on the government dole. We want armed people to protect us. But the hell with the people in the inner city. The hell with the people in the suburbs, the people out in the country. They don't need protecting. And we want to take their guns away so they can't protect themselves. But by golly, we need more and more and more and bigger and larger physical barriers and more armed troops to gun down anyone who dares to breach the halls of the Capitol. We're going to gun down unarmed females like Ashley Babbitt, shoot them cold dead on the Capitol floor. 
we're going to murder those unarmed people who happen to be on the Capitol floor. And you want more and more and more police presence for you and your sorry ilk. But you wanted to defund the cops around the country and replace armed police officers with social workers and community organizers. Like I said earlier, folks, they need to put social workers and community organizers at the steps of the Capitol. They could have talked to those Trump supporters and those Antifa people dressed up like Trump supporters. They could have spoken softly to them and stopped them from doing evil things. We can change their minds. We can change their hearts. But not for you, Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut. You want armed patrols protecting your sorry ass. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. The fat lady has sung. The orchestra's broken down their equipment. The lights are turned up. People are leaving the auditorium, as I said earlier. And mopey, dopey, little girl gropey Joe Biden will be your new president, along with Camel Toe Harris as the vice president. Democrats' control of Congress now, as well, will shine a new spotlight on Biden's tax proposals and primarily on those that will affect your stocks, your bonds, your 401k, your IRA, your very retirement. Now, while Gropey Joe has repeatedly lied to you and says he will not raise taxes on Americans earning less than $400,000 a year, remember, he's lied to you for 47 years. It won't be long before he says something like, because Donald Trump's economy is what he's done in this country and COVID virus, we're going to have to raise taxes. We have no choice but to raise taxes. That's coming, folks. He's going to blame Donald Trump and he's going to raise your taxes just as we warned about. Whether you make 400000 a year or more or less than 400000 a year, trust me, in some way, shape, manner, fashion, or form, your taxes are going up. Number one, he will be raising the marginal income tax rate from 37% to 39.6% for those making $400,000 a year. Let's do some magic math, shall we? If you are fortunate enough to have a job where you earn $399,999 per year, the last dollar before the tax increase proposed by Biden, your annual income tax bill will be $147,000 $999 a year. Now that still leaves you with a quarter of a million in your bank account, 251999 to be exact. If you earn one more dollar, just one more dollar, and you happen to be at the $400,000 mark, your taxes will be $158,400, leaving you with only 241600 in your account. The government under Biden will be stealing an additional 10 grand from you. And that will go for social programs and food stamps and welfare. And of course, will make you feel guilty for earning what you earn all the while. Additionally, under the mopey, dopey, sleepy, creepy Joe Biden tax proposal, raising the corporate tax from 21 to 28 percent and a minimum 15% book tax. 
Now, I don't want to go into a whole dissertation about income tax versus book tax, but it has a lot to do with your investments in your building and in infrastructure in your company equipment and things like that, where we currently have some tax breaks that incentivize large corporations for investing in their own businesses to provide more jobs to more people who then pay income tax on their own earnings and, of course, taxes on corporate profits. I don't want to go into that whole dissertation, but it's suffice it to say that Mr. Biden's taxes are going up for everybody, even those of you making less than $400,000 a year. When you raise the tax rate on a corporation from 21 to 28 percent, you are increasing their tax rate by 25 percent. So let's just say you are a corporation. Let's say you are a corporation and you make $100,000 a year and we raise your taxes by 25%. How many employees do you have to lay off in order to make up for the losses to your business? You can't possibly be expected to run your business and continue operating at a loss, especially a 25% loss. So you're going to have to either lay someone off or raise your prices. Raising prices is not good. That leads to inflation. Inflation leads to more people not being able to afford whatever product or service you provide. So you have to either go out of business or, as I said before, lay off employees. Now that, of course, will create more work for the remaining employees who will then be disgruntled and bitch and whine and complain and piss and moan because they're having to do more work now because the evil boss laid off their co-worker. It's Economics 101, and the Democrats still have not figured that out yet. Number three in the Biden tax proposal is taxing long-term capital gains and qualified dividends at the ordinary income tax rate of 39% on incomes of those with a million or more. Let's say you've worked your entire life, you've busted your butt, and you've managed to put away enough money to buy a very nice home. A million five, let's say, a big, beautiful estate. Might be your grandparents, might be your parents that have that million-dollar value estate over there in California. In addition to taxing the hell out of the inheritance of you inheriting your parents' wonderful estate, when you sell that estate, because you don't want to live in California, you're smarter than that, when you sell that million-plus-dollar estate, you will get what is called capital gains. You will gain money from that capital that you sell. In addition to your ordinary yearly income tax, you will then be taxed almost 40% on that sale of that million-dollar property. In other words, the government, who didn't work hard to buy that property, the government will keep 40% or $400,000 out of your one $1.1 million estate. And they'll give it out to the homeless, to the poor, to the welfare, to the Social Security, because they can. Now, in addition to this, Biden has proposed that those making over $400,000 a year should not only have their income taxes increased to 39.6%, but have an additional 12.4% in Social Security payroll tax added. Now, they want to split this additional payroll tax 
evenly between the employer and the employees. So instead of 39.6% income tax, plus whatever the hell the current FICA breakdown is, Biden's proposal calls for adding another 6.2% taken out of your check and 6.2% additional taken out of your company's earnings. You think that won't raise prices? You think that won't force more layoffs? He's also proposed a change to 401k plans from the current system that allows all savers of money to take up to 19500 in income tax deductions each year to a flat refundable tax credit that would give low-income earners a larger tax break up front and higher-income earners a smaller overall tax break. Now, what effect will these proposals have on your stocks? Will some sectors be more affected than others? Of course they will! Estimates are that the Biden tax plan will reduce the S&P 500 earnings by 7% under the current plan, mostly stemming from higher corporate taxes, and the growth-oriented sectors would be hit the hardest. According to the estimates of Biden's tax proposals, in a recent CNBC article, technology sector will go down 9.2%. Healthcare will go down 8.4%. Communication services, you know, cell phones, media, etc., will drop by 8.2%. Consumer discretionary investment down by 7.5%. Financial sector down by 6.5%. What effect would these taxes have on stock market behavior? It's complicated, but according to Dan Weiner, who runs an independent advisor for Vanguard Investors, he's also the chairman of Advisor Investment Management Group, says the impact on investors from a capital gains hike may be more limited than many may think. The people who will be most concerned are high-end active traders and some hedge funds. Much of the stock is with pension funds, which have no tax liability. 401k and IRA accounts are not taxed until the money is taken out. So when you retire, when you don't have an income anymore, and when you most need the money that you've saved through your individual retirement IRA accounts or your 401k, that's when they're going to stick it to you. Raising taxes on the wealthy will also revive the old debate that rising taxes will not necessarily provide a dramatic increase in revenues. After all, there are not that many wealthy people as compared to the number of not wealthy people. In a recent study by the Tax Foundation, they concluded that the Joe Biden tax proposal might raise $3.3 trillion over the next 10 years and that raising capital gains taxes will only raise $469 billion over the same time period, which by comparison to $3.3 trillion is a drop in the bucket. Most of the increase will come from raising corporate income tax rates and that Social Security payroll tax increase, which will directly affect every single working American. A 2010 study by the Congressional Research Service examined what it called behavioral responses to changes in the capital gains tax system. Capital gains tax discourages capital gains realizations because capital gains are only taxed when they are realized. In other words, when you sell something. So because of this, investors have been encouraged to hold 
any suboptimal portfolios and forgo investment opportunities with higher pre-tax returns. In other words, when capital gains taxes are high, investors will likely respond by holding on to stocks as opposed to selling them, and that makes the stock market in general far less efficient. It also implies that higher taxes will not result in higher revenue. We've all said that. You cannot tax your way into prosperity. One thing most analysts seem to agree on is that it's not about if, but when taxes are going up. You and I and all of us know that taxes are likely going up, is what Wiener said in an article. Question will be 21 or 22. I don't think individual tax rates are the bigger concern. I think corporate tax rates and capital gains will be the main focus. It is very unlikely the Biden administration will force a big corporate tax hike in 2021 because it's too close to his election. It's too close to the time where Republicans and conservatives will be able to say, <laughs> I told you so. But of course, raising the capital gains tax will not necessarily mandate a massive rush to sell those tech stocks that have had big capital gains for investors over the recent years. Why would someone rush out to sell stocks that have big capital gains just to avoid a tax? Because who's to say the next president four years from now will not just come in and lower them again and usher in a good economy again? We'll be right back. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. If you'd like to comment on the program, our Twitter handle is at Hertz Program. That's the at sign, H-U-R-T-S-P-R-O-G-R-A-M. I didn't make up the Twitter handle. They gave it to me. Our email address is thetruthhurtsprogram at gmail.com. Drop us a line. Let us know what you think. But please tell your friends and neighbors to listen. We're available on eight podcasting platforms. Or you can simply look up The Truth Hurts Program, Steve Z, on your web browser. And you'll find access to all 325 plus editions of The Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z. 2020 was a suck year. 2020 said, 2021 couldn't possibly be any worse. 2021 looked at the camera and said, hold my beer. Listen, our seven-day subscription to 2021 is now up. I do not wish to subscribe. Please remove me from your list, 2021. I say we just jump on into 2022 and get things going. <laughs> That's going to do it for this morning's Friday edition, the January 8th edition of the Truth Hurts program. I'm Steve Z. Go out there, everybody, and make it a great day if you can. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Truth Hurts with Steve Z. We look forward to our next visit. Opinions expressed here are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Background music credits to Jason Shaw and Audionautics. This program was produced at Studio 63, copyright 2021, all rights reserved. We'll see you next time.